Now, one of the things we establish, if you're visiting one of your first few times here, we want you to know this. One of the things that we establish here at the Cross Loganville is we want to walk with you and we want to walk with you as you learn how to struggle well in this journey. Now, here's what we're convinced of. Every person that walks in this room, we're living in a fallen world. Satan is all about uh, enticing us to do a bunch of jacked up stuff. I mean, that, that's the reality. Jesus makes the observation that in this world, you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So we're going to have trouble and adversity and heartache in this world. But we want you to know that the, the power of the gospel can set you free. And even in the midst of all this freedom that we'll experience, we're still going to struggle, Nick. And we want to walk with you. Trevor, we want to walk with our people so that they can struggle well. We're all going to struggle. We want to we fall forward uh, in our journey. So we want to do that with you. Now, four uh, basic truths that we laid out a few weeks ago about spiritual warfare. Uh, four basic truths that we have established. Number one would be this. There is an invisible war. There is an invisible war. And so as we look at this journey that we find ourselves on today, uh, there is a battle going on in the heavenlies. Uh, one of the passages we'll look at today, 2 Corinthians 10, uh, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about there, there's this battle going on. And so we understand that what we see is not all that's happening. There's an invisible war going on. There's the principles uh, and powers, principalities and powers of darkness that are really alive, but God also has his heavenly hosts that are involved in this. Makes sense. You can go back and, again, watch some of what we've talked about. Number two, we have an enemy that is real. Satan is real. He's not in a red suit uh, with a pitchfork and horns on his head. Satan is real. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, he was the angel of worship in heaven, Lucifer. He gets kicked out because of pride. When he falls, he takes a third of the angels with him. He is real, and he seeks to wreak havoc on your lives and on, uh, in our world and in, even in my life. Uh, the third thing we said was recognize your enemy, but don't be afraid of him. Recognize him, he's strong, but greater is he who lives inside of us than he who lives inside this world. So we realize that through the power of the gospel, God in me is stronger than Satan. So once I establish that, I'm like, hey, I recognize you, but I'm not afraid of you because uh, I'm more than a, uh, a conqueror through Christ who loved me. God is for me. God is in me, the hope of glory. So we established that. And then we talked about learning to fight from victory, not for victory, which is a huge concept. Once we learn, once we learn that Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit dwells within us, we then can start to resolve that, hey, 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 the victorious one lives inside of me. I'm not fighting for it. He's already accomplished it. Christ has. And so we get to John 15 and understand, abide in Christ and allow Christ to abide in you and watch what happens. Uh, uh, you'll produce much fruit, he says. Okay, those four things have been established. Everybody good? All right, so, so you got to talk to me today. Now, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. It's in your bulletin. I want you to get it. For though we live in the world... We live in the world. You hear people say you got to be in the world, but not of the world. We're, we're in the world. We're living in this world, this cosmos. We do not wage war as the world does. Now, apart from Christ, we had to wage war just like the world did. 
I mean, the only thing we had was our natural flesh and just what we had, right? The, the sinful nature that we were born with. But Paul is establishing with the believers here in Corinth that we live in the world. We don't wage war as the world does anymore. We belong to Christ. Listen to what he says. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. We don't have to fight in the logical. We now can fight from the theological. We don't have to fight in the natural. We now can fight in the supernatural with the power of God. That's what he's saying. The weapons we fight with are not of this world. On the contrary, the weapons we fight with have divine power. It would be good to circle that word. Divine power. Supernatural power. God-style power. To, to demolish strongholds. It's where that word appears right there. We have God's power to demolish and destroy strongholds. We're going to break this down. We demolish arguments. We demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, here would be some questions I would uh, ask you to entertain as we unpackage this today. Is there an area in your life that you cannot gain victory? Maybe you're a non-believer. Maybe you're a believer. Is there an area in your life that you look at and you go, I just can't seem to gain victory there. There's a bondage there. there there's a stronghold. I know whether it's alcohol, drugs, sex, language, attitude, anger, eating, worry, trust. Is there an area that you stay defeated in? That you say, I'm losing there. That, that is probably a stronghold. Two, is there a reoccurring sin in your life that defeats you? And you look at it and you go, I've tried to justify it. I can't justify it anymore. The guilt and shame that I'm experiencing based on this area right here, there is a reoccurring sin and I keep giving into that sin and I know that I'm living an ineffective life in Christ as a believer. Is there, is there an area going on? Is there an area you refer to in your life as a bad habit? If I hear anything when it comes to stronghold and bondage, I hear people oftentimes refer to, oh, dude, it's just a bad habit. Bad habit? No, it's a bondage area. It's an area that's causing defeat in your life. Something's wrong. Here would be another one. Is there a negative attitude or an action that's characteristic of your family? There's something in, in your family history, and you go back and look at it, and there's almost like this generational curse that's been passed on. Now, I, I started thinking about this with a lot of people, because it's easy to blame shift the previous generation. Just, just, just stay with me for a second. Uh, the reason I'm so jacked up is because you don't know what I come from. My, my grandfather, on the cash side, uh, I love that dude, but he basically died a pharmaceutical pill addict. And there was not too many pills that he didn't have on the old mantle in that little mill village home that he lived in. And I looked at him and I'm like, man, he's a pill addict. He is so hooked on the pharmaceutical pill. Now, two of my dad's sisters died of being pretty much pharmaceutical pill junkies. My aunt Loretta and my aunt Jeanette, they both died. My other aunt, Linda that's on my dad's side of the family. She's been institutionalized for over 10 years and she was all whacked out on the stuff. Now, now, now it's easy for people to say, well, the reason they acted and did what they did was the generational thing. 
I started looking at some of the sexual perversions and stuff in that family tree. And, and I've heard so many people blame their family on why they do what they do. Just, just stop for a second. When I came to faith in Jesus Christ and repented of my sin and confessed the lordship of Jesus, there was a spiritual blood transfusion that took place that interrupts any of that other junk of the past. So I can't blame where I came from any longer. I now can rest in who I belong to now. See, the power of the blood is so powerful, but I've had people sit there and look at me and say, well, it's just a characteristic thing in my family. You got to stop that. It, but if you're, if you're seeing a manifestation, why is it there? Here would be another one. Negative thoughts constantly on your mind. I mean, you know you need to check up from the neck up to eliminate stinking thinking. You pout, doubt, moan, groan. You're not grinning and winning and believing and receiving what God has. It's just this stinking thinking. You're going, it's, it's in me. Is that you? Are you living in denial? I mean, you're suppressing, you're pushing all this stuff down, you're not willing to deal with it, and you're going, well, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. You're not all right. If you don't move out of denial into disgust, into deep desperation, you'll never experience deliverance. As long as I can deny it and suppress it, it's not going to work. I've got to become so disgusted so that I'm so sick of being sick. God, I've got to be made well that I just... I just desire to know God on God's terms. I become desperate for him. If that ever happens, I can experience deliverance. But a lot of people are living in denial. Makes sense. Now, come on, we're going somewhere. The promise of the scripture in 2 Corinthians 10 is the weapons of our warfare have divine power to destroy strongholds. What do you mean? God has provided all that we need to walk in victory. God has given us divine power through the gospel and through the Holy Spirit now living inside of us that we do not have to live under the circumstances of defeat any longer. Nobody in here has to live defeated any longer. Nobody in here has to leave, uh, live all jacked up with a stronghold and bondage. You don't have to. That's the good news. Now, if you're there, it's a battle to get out of it, but you don't have to any longer. I'm going to go ahead and speak over you the freedom that you don't have to stay there any longer. That you don't have to be conformed to this world any longer. You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm going to go ahead and speak over you that you have the ability to think pure, right, holy, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy thoughts in Jesus' name. That you now have permission to allow the mind of Christ to flourish in you. Come on. Make sense? And so you don't have to because you've been given divine power. Now, what is a stronghold? Check out your bulletin. A stronghold is a mindset, a value system, a thought process that hinders your spiritual growth. I've got this mindset, thought process, value system that I've been living by, and it's hindering my growth. That's a stronghold. It's not believing what God believes about you. It's not believing that what God says to, to be true about you in Scripture. It's believing something else. Again, A.W. Tozer said that the greatest thought and image and concept that a person will ever have is how they view God. Make sure you view him accurately. If I view God accurately, it changes my thoughts. It changes my value system and everything about me. Now, a stronghold. It's a mindset trapped in hopelessness. 
Don't, don't miss this. It's trapped in hope, hopelessness. It's chained to hopelessness. And it causes me to accept as unchangeable something I know to be contrary to the will of God. That's a stronghold. That's a bondage. As soon as I look at what God says, but I've concluded that I've got to accept this which is contrary to the will of God and going, well, it's just the way I am. It won't change. That, that's a stronghold for you. I wrote it this way. Uh, a stronghold is you're convinced that you have no control and cannot seem to stop doing what you're doing, so it's just the way you are. Now, again, what is that area in your life? We all have variable temptation. So whatever it is, you've got to look at it. Now, examples of strongholds in Scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about lying, talks about stealing, corrupt communication, bitterness, wrath, anger, slander, malice. You can do a word study on all these. But he says to the one who steals, don't, don't steal any longer. That's not, a, that's not of Christ. Let no corrupt communication, unwholesome talk come forth from your mouth. Bitterness, what's going on there? I had a guy come up to me. I haven't seen him in a year. Had a guy come up in the first service and uh, for prayer. He goes, I want to apologize to you. And I said, what's up? He goes, I got mad at you and became bitter. I said, about what? He goes, honestly, I don't even really remember what it was, but I haven't been to church here in a year. And I said, really? He goes, would you please forgive me for my jacked up attitude? He said, this stronghold stuff today was perfect. I said, I ain't seen you in over a year. He goes, you know what's twisted? I said, what? He said, I watch the sermons every week. <laughs> What'd you get mad about? If I make you mad, I'm not trying to. But as Barb and my kids would say, you don't even have to try to make people mad. So <laughs> if I make you mad, come tell me. If it's because you're jealous over my shoes, hang with them. But, no, no, no. People get mad over crazy stuff, though. Do they not? And, and you don't even know what it was. So, lying, stealing, corrupt communication. Other examples, unforgiveness. You want to talk about being a stronghold in a person's life? Addictions. Come on, addictions. Uh, feelings of rejection. Negative self-image. Immoral sexual activity occult kind of involvement self-image jacks with so many people in the church i mean you start to think of how we see ourselves how we think others see us and trying to measure up i mean is that not crazy benji he signed professionally and so i was with him this week a little bit and he's like you know what my body fat was uh in my testing dad like nah 8.3 percent i'm like dude you're shredded but can i tell you something that did not bother me a lick. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I just need to drink water. I've got to eat celery. He's 8.3. No, I got a piece of pound cake and said, you can't eat this. <laughs> but you know how many people struggle with self-image? I mean, you, you know it. People stay in bondage and you're trying to get that right look. Oh, I just got to look better. Then what? I mean, I'll never forget. I, I, I mean, when, when the kids were in high school, we had this like gathering at Hebron where they went. And I'm like, man, I'm going I'm to spice it up a little bit. And I got this just for men stuff. 
Can I tell you something? I look like Squiggy off of Happy Day. Uh, Laverne and Shirley and those guys. And Barb walked in and she goes, oh my God, what did you do? And believe me, I saw some last night with just for men on their hair. And I'm like, dude, that 14 different shades of gray underneath it, you didn't get it all. But you know, self-image jacks with people, guys and girls alike. And you know, I just don't know what to wear. Who cares? Well, uh, my hair, the humidity just messed it up. Really? <laughs> How does that work? Barb posted that thing the other day, right? And I, I'm like, some of you girls were commenting with her, you know, about blow drying the hair and it just takes forever. And I'm like, then don't dry it. <laughs> if it's taking that much time, who are you drying it for? Just let it dry on its own. But, but, but it's so easy, even in church, we don't feel like we measure up. I don't know enough. I, I can't speak like that. Oh, I could never sing like Nick and Lisa. And, and, and we do. It's almost like we're trying to measure up to this faulty standard that comparison is the death of contentment. And all of a sudden you start comparing with everybody and you got this stronghold. Like you, you don't know who you are. You don't like who you are. You can't be who you are. And you're just in chains. So how do you recognize a stronghold? I want to jog through this pretty quick. It's an area of continuous defeat. You know before God, the guilt and shame that's attached to it, you go, this is an area of continuous defeat. I don't care what it is again, sex, alcohol, drugs, food, anger, attitude, all, there's a lot of things that can fit under here. The area, uh, it, it's become an obsession. It's constantly on my mind. You've been there. All of us have been there. Some of us are still there. Man, I, I'm just obsessed with this crazy thought process. Three, it becomes an area of fantasy. I mean, what if I could do this? And this is where so many guys that I've had to counsel with, with sexual immorality and different things, if I could do this and not get caught, then what? Then you would lie to yourself. You can't lie to God, but you would try to lie to yourself. You would lie to everybody in your world. And, and one of the manifestations of people that are living in this what-if fantasy, maybe trying to get as close to the line they can without falling over, is that they start to isolate from meaningful relationship. There's no substance talk. It's just all surface talk. No manhole covers are ever removed, and you get into the soul and the deeper stuff. It's just, come on, Nick, we've seen this. You know it's an area of faulty thinking. It's corrupt thinking. Now, here's four realities to consider. Again, in your notes, strongholds, once it starts to take a, a grip on your life, strongholds are stubborn. Strongholds, they seem impossible to break. It, it's just stubborn. And, and, and I've lived with strongholds in certain areas. It was just, it, it's like this stubborn grip on my life. I, I just can't overcome it. And I would look in on my own power and strength, and I couldn't overcome it. They're not going to be broken through your own power. Your strategies and agendas and solutions are not going to work. I can tell you right out of the gate, they don't work. They may give you a quick fix, but they're not going to last. Two, they're irrational. You start to look at a stronghold of bondage area. It doesn't make sense. A nasty habit can become addictive. It can ruin your health. It can make your life miserable. It can even shorten your life. And you start to look going, why did I start to think that that was a healthy or even a decent payoff? Whether it be pill addiction, whatever people find themselves in, alcohol, whatever, 
It, it can shorten your life. Three, strongholds appear uncontrollable. I mean, a pattern of behavior becomes a habit. You say, I can't even stop it. Feelings of depression, out of control temper, lying, compulsive eating, compulsive drinking, compulsive anything. You go, what, what, what happened? Compulsive, just a, it, it's, it, it doesn't make sense. It's uncontrollable. It's irrational. They're counterproductive. You see a person who's got a stronghold, who's living in a bondage uh, area that, that's taking root in their life. It, it, it's, it's counterproductive. Whatever you do initially thinking it's going to help you to eliminate stress or whatever, to help you sleep or whatever it is, it becomes a bondage. It can shorten and take, in your, take your life. And I've seen people fall into this trap. So Jesus is the only answer for ultimate deliverance. I can tell you that experientially. It is responding to the gospel, it is pressing into the lordship of Christ, and it's allowing him to take the reins and rule of my life. People that reach a place of hopelessness, feeling there's, there's, there's nothing I can do. There's really three options when you start to, to kind of deal with uh, a stronghold or a bondage, people that are with addiction, immorality, whatever the, the area is. There, there's really three responses. One, it's... I'm going to repent and respond and get right with God. Two, it's I can't change it. I am the way I am. This is just the way I've always been. You'll continue to spiral into defeat and damage. That happens. Or three, you look and go, I'm not willing to repent. I'm not willing to surrender to Christ. I can't stand the thought of living in that addiction any longer. So then you look and say, suicide is a viable option. And I've seen that happen with people. You really have three. You really have three options and you go, what am I going to do there? So strongholds are not easily overcome. They're not defeated by human effort, by human uh, flesh patterns. You can't do it. Victory is in Christ. Now, how do they take root? Real quick. Strongholds take root in your life as a thought process and a belief system. You start to think a certain way. And before you know it, I need a drink every night to go to sleep. I need this little blue pill to get me through today. I need this porn fix. I need this whatever food fix. What, whatever. Whatever your area is, it starts as a thought pattern, and you start to give birth to it saying, I've got to have it. So it's a thought, not an action. It's a belief system that starts to be integrated into your soul. Now, again, a stronghold is a mindset value system or a thought process that hinders your spiritual growth. A few weeks back, I, I talked about beliefs becoming your thoughts, your thoughts become your words, words, actions, actions, habits, habits become your values, and your values become your destiny. And people go, why am I so jacked up? It started as a thought. The writer of Proverbs would say, as a man thinks, so he is. So, so if I want to change who I am, I've got to change my thinking, allow Christ to take over my heart, but that's where I start to take every thought captive I start to reprogram my mind so that I can know what God's good, acceptable, and perfect will is. And I go, man, I, I got to get my life right. If you're living in habitual defeat, something's jacked up in your thought process. Okay, does that make sense? You get, you, 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 you get your thinking right, the stinking thinking, and all of a sudden you're able to start walk in freedom. Know the word, memorize the word, study the word. I mean, I want to know what God has to say. The second thing would be this, an action repeated becomes a habit. You keep doing something over and over the negative way, it becomes a bondage area. But it's the same thing. You get the word of God. 
You, you open the Word of God and memorize Scripture for 21 straight days, it almost becomes a habit. You, you start praying every morning, every, throughout the day, at night, it becomes a habit. And then you go, man, I'm developing right habits. You start sharing your faith with people. It just becomes habitual. It's who you are. It's the overflow. So you can replace all these jacked up bondage areas with God-style things that will free you in your journey. Come on, God don't want to see you in defeat. God don't want to see you in defeat any longer. Satan is going to entice you and tell you that you suck, you're no good, and you deserve to be where you are. But God's going to say, I love you, I accept you, I believe in you. Once I start to walk in that, it changes the game. So how do you defeat a stronghold, Tim? One, you personally have to repent, respond, and receive Jesus as Lord. There's no other way. I mean, the gospel that we present here is God's good news. And he looks at every one of us and he says, hey, hey, if if you'll repent, which means unplug from all these other lovers and fixes you've been trying to get, if you'll repent of those, plug into me and ask me to lord and champion your life, I'll take over you. Is it still a battle? Yes. Is it still a struggle? Yes, but as a believer, I have permission before God to stand before him and kneel before him and say, would you fill me from head to toe with your Holy Spirit? You've poured out the Holy Spirit, the parakletos of God that desires to dwell within me. Lord, I I, I repent, I respond, I receive, and I want to walk in the power of who you are every day. Are you still going to struggle? Yes. Is it going to be a battle? Yes. But now you've got divine power. That's the divine power. So the second thing, after I start to really know Christ, and we want to offer that to you every Sunday here. You come in here today and you're going, I'm lost, I don't know Christ. We're going to have our prayer team here in a bit that would love to pray with you and see you know Christ in a personal way. We want to do that. But once that happens and I start to walk with him, the second thing would be this. I've got to recognize that God's given me weapons. I mean, I've got the breastplate of righteousness. I I, I can gird my loins with truth. I I, I can shod my feet with peace that comes from God. I can put on the helmet of salvation. I can take the, the shield of faith and I've got the sword of the spirit. And as we talk, What are your offensive weapons? I've got prayer and the word of God. I don't know of any person that's got a real authentic, transparent, raw prayer life with God that is also in the word of God that's jacking it up royally all the time. But I know a lot of people that don't pray, don't read the word, don't ponder scripture, and their life is out of control, and they will look at you saying, I just don't know what's wrong. God has given us weapons, prayer. If you're ever in a fix, turn to Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, And thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I got a weapon called prayer. Man, Lord, this is a trippy situation. Yes. I mean, we were sitting there last night. I'm like, Barb, check this out. 
I am so thankful that I got delivered from that scene some 30 years ago. I would have been just as jacked up, smoking dope, drinking like a fish, hanging out into the wee hours, minus the gospel of Jesus. I'm not dogging those people. I'm one of those people without the gospel. But I was like, man, I can pray now. I can take every thought captive here. I can have fun and sing along, but I don't have to participate because even though I'm living in the world, I'm not of the world any longer. God's done something. So, so receive Christ. Respond to the gospel. Repent. Recognize your weapons. Three, release others of their responsibility. So many people stay in bondage. I'm not saying that people didn't contribute to your chaos. I'm not saying that other people didn't hurt you. All of us have been hurt by other people. But as long as I stay the victim, I don't have to take ownership of something. Did you hear me? As long as I can point the fingers and blame everybody else, what belongs to me? What have I done? One of the guys I hung out with, Russell, was Willie Mays Aikens this week. W Willie is from Seneca, South Carolina. Dirt backyard. Poor is all get out. Willie Mays Aikens played in the big leagues, made it as a 21-year-old. In the World Series playoffs one year, he hit two home runs in back-to-back -back games. The only player to do it in history. Willie was on this trajectory to become an incredible player. Type in Willie Mays Aiken on Google and read his story. Willie spent 14 years incarcerated in the pen. Cracked cocaine, major drug problems. And, and Willie, at the pinnacle of his career, got so jacked up in sideways that it messed him up. And he's telling me the story. They, they set me up. They baited me. And he tells me how it went down. And I'm listening going, okay. He goes, but it was my fault. It was my problem. I'm the one with the addiction. I'm the one that opened the door. I'm the one that put myself in that position. And, and I said, come here and give me a hug, man. He didn't blame the corrupt system of how it maybe worked. He goes, it was my fault. And I walked away going, I can hang with that guy. He didn't blame the world for his problems. He didn't say the reason I'm so jacked up is, it was me. I opened the door. I chased it. I pursued it. You want to you break free, receive Christ. Recognize the armor. Recognize your weapons. But refuse to blame everybody else for the bondage saying, here's what I own that I've done. You start to take personal responsibility. It's amazing how the enemy starts to lose his grip. Fourth thing is, rely on the assistance of others. We want to pray with you. We want to struggle with you. We want to see you involved in small group. We want to see, hey, if, if we can sit down and dialogue with you, we want to do that. There's been a guy here for like the last four weeks. After his second week here, he's like, can we meet? Yeah. Been married five times. This one's falling apart. His life is all messed up. And I said, dude, we'll struggle with you, but you got to get honest. I don't care how nasty your past is. I don't care if you've been a poser. I don't care if you've been 
this performer. I don't care if you've been an addict. We believe the gospel is powerful enough to set you free, and we've got people here that will walk with you. If you've got sexual addictions, we've got people here that have been set free through Christ. You've got drug addictions, we've got those. Alcohol problems, we've got those. Anger problems, we've got those. Food addicts, we've got those. We got an app for whatever you're struggling with, pretty much. <laughs> Can I tell you something? We are the redeemed of the Lord who come from a bunch of jacked up marinades in here. <laughs> That's who we are. We're a bunch of beggars who have found bread that are not afraid to tell other beggars where the bakery's located. Come on. Though we live in the world, I want you to know this passage. I want you to get this passage. We do not wage war, war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power, divine power, God's power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we, we, we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It's in your notes. I want you to get it. The battle we're involved in is a spiritual battle. There is an invisible war. We do not wage war as the world does. The quicker you understand it, the better off you're going to be. This is a spiritual battle we're living in. ISIS is a spiritual battle. Postmodern thinking is a spiritual battle. What we see happening globally, what we see happening nationally, what we see happening locally, what we see happening in our own world, it's a spiritual battle. God wants to set us free. The enemy wants to keep us defeated. He wants to keep us locked up as a believer, ineffective and inactive. As a lost person, he wants to send you straight to hell. It is a spiritual battle. We're not waging war as the world does. The battle is powerful. It's a powerful battle. You do not have, you don't have the necessary uh, weapons and equipment to fight it in your own human flesh. Your natural arguments will fall apart. You need supernatural truth. Your logical reasoning is not going to make the trip. I need theological truth that can guide me day in and day out. I've got to know the truth, and the truth will set me free. The battle is personal. Every one of us goes through this battle. Your issues and your battles and your bondage and your strongholds, they vary from person to person. But he says here in this text, we demolish arguments. Who do? We, we do, all of us. We're going to work together and demolish arguments, pretension. We're going to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I looked at that word argument. It's human reasonings and human intelligence. You think I hear that all the time? People want to talk. They want to share with me their human reasonings and their human intelligence. If it doesn't make it through the sifter of God's word, it just don't make the trip. He talks about we destroy and demolish pretensions. Those are false claims. So you can be like God all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Idolatry is huge in our society, gang. Idolatry is setting things before God and worshiping those things. Idolatry must be confronted in my life, your life, if we're ever going to be really walking the path of freedom and victory 24-7. The New Testament definition of idolatry 
is something that is worshipped or adored or applauded other than God. My definition of idolatry is anything I depend on to meet my needs apart from Jesus Christ. I've got to deal with idolatry in my life. I don't want any other object setting on the throne of my life. I want Christ to have free reign, free rule, and lordship. What are idols today? I mean, I listen, uh, listed a bunch of different things that can become a bondage area, but idols are my own abilities and talents. I'm trusting me. I'm good enough. I asked a young player, 18, 19-year-old player, who's your authority? I asked him this question a few weeks ago. He goes, I am. How's that working for you? You're your own authority. So you're depending on your abilities and your talents and your gifts to get you through it. Dependence on my wisdom, my reasoning, my good intentions. Uh, I, I got my plans already laid out. How's that working for you? If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. You go ahead and write your diary in advance and hand it to him and see how that story works out. I've done that one in the past. I mean, idols can be trusting my own strength. Oh, I'm just a hard worker, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm self-reliant. How's that working for you? How are you going to deal with the questions of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny? How are you going to deal with that question of destiny since you're trusting in yourself? Where are you sending you when you die, even though you can't control the fact that you're going to die? How's that working for you? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war. The battle is spiritual. It's powerful. It's personal. But the battle can be won. We're already victorious positionally in Christ. But the battle can be won conditionally day in and day out as I lean in and press and abide in Christ. I'm already a saint in Christ. But conditionally, he's perfecting me and sanctifying me every day. The battle can be won no matter what you're going through. Christ is already victorious. I just don't want to ask him to save me and go, well, I know I'm going to heaven, but live like hell here. I want to go ahead and reflect who I belong to and where I'm going now. I don't want to live chained up with bonds any longer. And you don't have to. It can be one. How does it happen? For me, it's daily confession. It's daily repentance. It's daily obedience. I want my thought process and my value system to line up with who God is in Scripture and with the character of who God is. I want to see you win. I want to see you win daily. I want to see you struggle well. We'll, we'll walk with you. I want to pray a prayer over you that I wrote out this week. So bow with me as I pray this over you, and then we're going to open up our time for prayer and communion. But I believe in the name of Jesus the greater is he who lives inside of us than he who lives inside this world. I believe that there's power in the gospel. I believe that God desires to infuse victory inside of each and every one of us right now. I want to pray this over you, and I want to ask you to contemplate this as, even as I pray. And I would even challenge you to pray something like this out of the gate. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm going to need supernatural strength and a supernatural strategy 
to overcome this stronghold? What, what's your area? Just cry out to him right now and say, I know that I need supernatural strength. And I need a supernatural strategy to overcome the stronghold of defeat in my life. My fleshly mind is working all the time to come up with solutions and strategies and agendas that don't work. Just tell them, I, I, I need you to intervene. I need help. I need your help now. I need a divine strategy. I need one that is so powerful and effective that no force of hell or evil will be able to resist it. So Lord, right now, I open my heart. If you've never trusted Christ and repented, say, I open my heart right now, King Jesus, and ask you to come in and be my Savior, Lord, Master, and Ruler. I repent. If you're a believer, just say, I open my heart right now. If there's any sin in your life, go ahead and confess it. But I open my heart to you right now. Holy Spirit, I ask you to transform my spirit, my soul, my mind. Please help me to understand and discern what your plan and strategies are and then give me the courage to follow through with obedience. Lord, I need your help to overcome this bondage and stronghold. And in Jesus' name, I'm, I'm believing you to set me free. I declare by faith that the Holy Spirit's going to give me what I need. And I'm willing to do whatever he tells me to do. Lord, I confess that the Spirit of God is my helper and my guide. And I fully rely on the Holy Spirit. I declare this and claim this by faith in Jesus' name. I pray that today's word encouraged you. And thanks for joining us uh, on this uh, broadcast today. If we can help you in your walk with Christ in any way, Feel free to contact us here at the Cross Loganville. Our email, info at thecrossloganville.org, or you can call us 770-554-3322. God bless you, and I pray that you have just an incredible day.